Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything, so this podcast is a reflection of that. Here we speak on non-mainstream perspectives, like healing our childhood wounds, learning to trust ourselves, the voice of fear versus intuition, and how children are our teachers. We discuss what it looks like to own your power as a woman and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I am obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is for women who want to thrive and have inner peace, learning how to take radical responsibility for their life and shed victimhood for good. My name is Abby and I am a mother of three. I'm an herbalist and a writer and I have a very, very deep passion for birth. And um, uh, I always was super interested in birth, but specifically when I was 18 years old, and I had just met my husband. Um, I found a book called The Shocker Handbook, and it talked about the energetics of just human life and talked about how important birth was and talked about how important like the first few years of life were um, Yeah, for babies to, to form energetically. And that was the first time that I ever had a, just a deep intuitive knowing, like, I can do that. Like, I'm going to do that. And um, yeah, I was about six months into my relationship with my husband. And we were just like really falling in love at that point. And it just kind of, uh, yeah, it just fell really in line. We started talking about like baby names. And um, we, we discovered that both of our great grandmother's names were Rosemary. Mine was Rosemary and his was Rosemary. So our daughter's name is Rosemary Ann. And um, I started having dreams about her pretty soon after we got together. And they were, uh, like, I, got, I get the chills. I get the chills just thinking about it. But I started having dreams about her. And she's just a magical little girl. Um, so when I got pregnant, like, three years in, I was convinced that it was Rosemary. I was, I, we were so excited. We were like, it's Rosemary. Like, we're finally going to meet Rosemary. I got an ultrasound at 20 weeks and we were like, oh, it's a boy. <laughs> so, so we were just like, okay, who's this going to be? I've, I've never, I never had dreams of my son. Owsley is his name. Um, never had dreams of him, but always had dreams about Rosemary. And yeah, so I found a group of midwives. And because I knew that I wanted to have a home birth and I genuinely thought that home birth was the way to avoid birth trauma because as I knew midwifery from, you know, like books like Spiritual Midwifery by Ina May Gaskin, I'm reading these stories of, of midwives really walking with women physically, emotionally, spiritually. So me at 21 and I'm pregnant, I'm like, oh, like that's going to be the care that I'm going to receive. I was so excited. 
And I really, really bonded with one of the midwives. Uh, it was a group of three midwives. I bonded hardcore with this midwife, and I was so excited to have her at my birth. And until I wasn't <laughs> excited to have her at my birth, she, she, she just she changed when she walked in the door. Like this woman that I had been like talking with and laughing with at all my appointments, something was off. Um, something was off. So labor for me started right as I laid in bed for the night and I could not sleep. I could not eat. I couldn't do any of the things that she was telling me I needed to do to have a successful labor. And like the maiden in me really had to die in a big way. And the maiden in me, like maiden Abby was very anxious and unsure of herself. And that's how I showed up in my birth. Like my mantra during birth was I can't do this over and over again super unsure of myself. And so 7am, my midwife walks in the door and she was annoyed. She was annoyed. (laughs) So I'm already struggling. And then on top of that, I'm, I'm surfing my brain. Like, what am I doing wrong? Is it because I haven't eaten? Is it because I haven't slept? Am I doing a bad job? Like, what is it? So I went, that was a 15 hour labor. And uh, four of those hours were spent with coach pushing, and <laughs> which is wild to me, because everything I've learned since that birth tells me to relax your body as much as possible and to just let the fetal re- ejection response work with your body. And they were telling me to squeeze and hold my breath for four hours. I was doing that. <laughs> So I got the home birth that I wanted, but my son came out and he was really distressed. In my heart, I know it was because of how stressed out I was those last four hours of pushing. And we had to transfer to the hospital. Um, So I spent my first week of motherhood in the NICU with a baby who was really, really healthy, but he had to be treated with pneumonia. Um, because he had he had fluid in his lungs, so he had to be treated as if he had pneumonia, and it was heartbreaking. And we were livid, my husband and I were livid over the care that we received that day. We felt like a list of things were not what we thought they were going to be, and we felt really, really upset. So, from we, the midwives or from the NICU or both. The midwives. Yeah. Okay. The midwives. It, it was just like the fact that she walked in and she was a completely different person. And there was no emotional support whatsoever. It was very cold. And um, there's just a lot of stuff that happened that just didn't sit well with us. And I hemorrhaged after birth because they yanked my placenta out of me. <laughs> and that was really, really hard to hemorrhage and lose a lot of blood i was really not feeling good after um after i gave birth and my baby's struggling to breathe next to me and it was just it was everything that i thought it wasn't going to be so it was really hard the nicu i think i just left my body when i was in the nicu i was in fight or flight of 
totally. And I just was white knuckling it the whole time. So I don't, I don't hold any, I don't, I don't feel anything about being in the NICU. I had to just like accept that that's what was happening. And I had to spend the first seven days of my motherhood in the NICU. So, so we, we scheduled an appointment with the midwife who ran whose business it was because we wanted to talk to her about that day she wasn't there and we wanted to talk to her about how upset we were and she very politely just pushed aside everything that we said and being in such a vulnerable spot it was really easy for us to just be like oh okay you know we talked to her about um the midwife's behavior that day and she was like oh i'm really close with her she would never do that basically just gaslighting us <laughs> and it was and it and it worked like we were just like oh he, she's right like she's right right and and we just stuffed it down under the guise of oh it could have been worse i got my home birth right <laughs> like that's what i wanted right so yeah so we just stuffed it down but through that experience i still got like I still got the the physiologic birth experience and it just lit me up and I fell so deeply in love with my son and I fell so deeply in love with the birth experience and wow, it just changed me from the inside out. So as hard as it was, I, I was just lit up from it. And I just wanted to like share with everybody, like birth doesn't have to be this terrible scary thing where you're in the hospital and you have to get a needle in your back and you have to you know you do all that stuff so did people did people gaslight you about your baby being in the NICU after a home birth like see see (sighs) yes and I was really really defensive my family well my family was worried because they could tell that something had happened that day that just wasn't right and I was really defensive because I felt like they were going to be like, see, like you shouldn't have had a home birth. I, my family literally said, like, don't do that again. And I was like, no, it wasn't the home birth's fault. <laughs> like, it wasn't the home birth's fault. There was a lot of different aspects that made it that way. So I was really defensive about it back then. But, but I, I eased up and started to see things for how they were once I became pregnant with my second. So I was lit up by birth. I went through a doula training. So I thought that I wanted to be a doula. Um, Classic. My midwife, yeah, right. <laughs> my midwife had told me that day, it was out of her scope of practice to be there for me emotionally. It was out of her scope of practice to like say, Abby, I'm so sorry that this is happening and like give me a hug as I'm laying on my bed naked and sobbing after I gave birth. So I was like, oh, yikes. Like, I don't want to be a midwife if that's what a midwife is. And I was like, maybe I want to be a doula. And that doula training, (laughs) it was wild. It was not. It was just more, it was more confusing for me than anything because the whole training was just this lady teaching how to be complicit with women being abused in the system. It was, 
it was basically like you can't stand up to the doctors and say anything. You just have to be there as these women are experiencing trauma. <laughs> so after that, I was like, dang, I don't really know if I have a place in the birth world because I can't be a midwife if I can't hug a woman. And I don't want to, I don't want to just let women be abused in front of me. So, so yeah, that, that shifted a lot for me. <laughs> but Around that time, I became pregnant again. My son was maybe 15 months. I was pregnant for 11 weeks and four days until I had a miscarriage. And yeah, as hard as I was, it was a really beautiful experience. And his name was Forrest. And he was just really, he was really sweet to see. After I gave birth to him, he was totally intact, like in his waters. And I could see his little face and his little tiny arms. And he had the tiniest smile on his face. Ah, oh, I have the chills just talking about him. It was so, so sweet. And it was a beautiful experience. And um, yeah, like my first birth showed me that something I was missing so much in that birth was my breath, connection to my breath and using breath as an anchor. So during postpartum with my son, I taught myself how to breathe. And through breathing, like life just started changing before my eyes. And so I carried that with me as I was having a miscarriage. And I blew myself away with how gracefully I went through that miscarriage. It was a beautiful experience. It was heartbreaking, but it was beautiful. And Forrest gave me my daughter, Rosemary. He wasn't meant to stay with us for very long. Because just three weeks after losing him, I'm sitting with my son napping on me. and. I I hear this voice say, Rosemary's going to be a Scorpio. Oh my God. <laughs> as soon as I hear that, it felt like I was remembering a piece of information that I had known my whole life. Like it just, it was a whole, a full body. Yes. Yes. She's going to be a Scorpio. I know that about my daughter. And so then I, I get on my phone. I'm like, well, when is a Scorpio? going to be conceived and it was right right then and there the month of february is when is when i heard that voice and i was like oh okay so i laid in bed that night and i said to rosemary i was like i'm ready for you if you're ready for me and i i'm pretty sure that's the night we conceived her so um pretty magical that was my first that was like my first experience with a spirit baby. It was really, really cool. Just I, I called to her and she came. It was, it was magical. And that's just magical is the word I would use to, ex to express what that pregnancy was. It was, it was a really cool time. Um, I, I had heard of free birth. I felt, I felt like it was a little too radical for me. I, I wasn't quite sure of myself. And especially because I hemorrhaged with my first birth. And my midwives said to me, 
that I would probably always hemorrhage after birth because I'm a redhead. That's no. what they said to me. <laughs> no. So I, I believed it. I soaked those words in and I was like, oh, like that's true. That is a truth. And I held it in my body as a truth. And so everything in my body was telling me not to go back to my midwife that I had. And because we had stuffed things down, I was just like, why do I feel this way? And I'm talking to my husband about it. And it was like all of the emotions that he and I had repressed, like came up like word vomit when he was like, I feel like she stole my son's birth from me. And it was just like, yes, that's why I feel this way. And so I said, okay, like we won't see her ever again. And we decided to see the other midwife who was at my birth, who had started her own practice. I had no connection with this lady whatsoever. Talking to her was like talking to a brick wall. <laughs> but but I, I didn't know if I could free birth because of the hemorrhage thing. That's all that was standing in my way. And at one of the appointments I had with her, I told her my worries about hemorrhaging again. And she looked at me and she's like, that's not going to happen this time. And that was just like, click, like a little piece of the puzzle for me. And after that, I didn't, I didn't see her again. Because after that, I, I started seeing all of these signs to free birth. It kept coming up. I was seeing a woman that I was following. I saw that she free births and she had all these herbs with her for postpartum hemorrhage. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I d- it was everywhere. I couldn't, my curiosity for it just could not be, it couldn't be anything other than ginormous. I have a growth. question. Yes. I have a question. Did you technically free birth forest or did you seek medical help? Oh, yeah, that was all by myself. So, so yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, thanks for saying that. I like that. I didn't seek medical help. I didn't need anybody. Like, my body knew what to do. And so did, yeah, so did he. Yeah, thanks. I like that. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, it's interesting oh. that you you did already free birth. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah. you know, had this story that a full baby was a little different. Yeah. 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 I like that. I, I was just unsure of myself and I was praying really hard. I'm, I was just back and forth, back and forth. And so finally I was like, I need to make a decision because I'm about 20 weeks pregnant at this point. I need to make a decision. And I said out loud, I'm like, okay, if I am to free birth, I want to see this, I don't know if cardinal birds are like a thing everywhere, but there are these beautiful bright red birds. And I saw them everywhere when I was pregnant with Rosemary. So the males are bright, bright red, beautiful. And the females are like a more muted red, like deep red. I said, if I'm to free birth, I want the next cardinal that I see to be a bright red male cardinal. And if I'm to have a midwife with me, I want the next cardinal I see to be a female cardinal. So I didn't see a cardinal for three days, which was unheard of 
for that for that period of time for me. I saw them everywhere. So I'm sitting at my parents' house and I'm I'm sitting next to my mom and sister and I look out the window and there are three bright red male cardinals sitting at her bird feeder. And I just audibly said, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and um I walked out to my car the next day and there was a red cardinal feather perfectly placed on my tailgate. And I it was just on after that. It was it was just like deep trust after that. And I was excited. Like what a what a thing to do. <laughs> what a thing to do. I did not tell anybody what I was doing besides my husband and my sister. Those are the only people that I really spoke about what I was going to do. And both of them I both of them gave me their full trust, which was which was really cool. But preparing to give birth to Rosemary was the biggest coming home to myself. And it was one of the most beautiful times of my life. It was a lot of movement and lots of like lots of deep breathing, lots of movement, lots of just tuning inward. And um, one day I was palpating my belly, just seeing where she was sitting. And I could tell that she was sitting sideways. And everything I had learned about birth until that point had said that babies should not be sideways. My doula training, the lady who taught that doula training, was like, I won't work with people. I won't work with a family unless their baby's in a proper position. So that was another thing for me to unpack. It was just another thing for me to overcome because I had to absolutely delete all of that from my consciousness. So I'm like, oh, this doula who's been a doula for 25 years and says she won't work with people unless their baby's in that a good position, delete. I just had to delete it from my brain. And I had to focus on, I had to focus on what I was being guided towards. So I was pretty worried about her position. I tried a lot of things to get her to to move and she was just cozy as could be laying sideways in my belly. And the message was your baby will turn when your waters break. And so for me, I'm, I'm trusting that voice, but I'm like, dang, when my waters break, that's when it's going to happen. Like that's, it's not going to happen before. It's not going to happen at 38 weeks. Like it's going to be when my waters break. Okay. <laughs> it was a big thing to trust, but I did. And I would just, I would just lay on the couch as my son was taking his nap for the day. And I would just envision and I would feel in my body, my daughter like coming out of me. Because the the only, the only other option was if I went to a, a regular doctor like they would just be like okay cesarean like no thinking it would just be cesarean (laughs) so it was like i'm gonna trust myself or i'm gonna go to the hospital and get a cesarean and i don't want that so so it was just deep trust and it was such a beautiful time i gave birth to her um in fall when the leaves on the trees were such a beautiful color oh 
it's the best time of year to give birth. I think for me, fall time was really just something. And so at 37 weeks, I am cleaning and I'm going way too hard. I'm like, I'm tiring myself. And I notice my stomach is starting to contract. And then I finally sit on the couch to relax and some liquid comes out. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It was right then and there that I realized I still had some fear of her position. Because I was like, I'm about to go into labor and I still feel scared. And then I had like this deepest, most like pure voice say to me, your baby will come through your birth canal. And after, after hearing something like that, you're, you're like, okay, <laughs> like I'm listening. And it turns out that I was just cleaning too hard and I peed on myself <laughs> when I sat down because that's the only time I've ever peed myself in pregnancy. But something about that day, I had to pee on myself in order to hear that voice. <laughs> so that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is so good. So funny. I just peed on myself. And I had two weeks until I gave birth to her. And after hearing that voice, oh, I was so calm and so excited to give birth. So excited. (laughs) One of my biggest preparations for giving birth was just practicing relaxing every single muscle in my body because I did not want to force myself to push again. And I I knew that I could trust my baby and I could trust my body to just fully relax and let her come out. And so 39 weeks, I went to bed and I was having some light sensations. I had a dream that I gave birth to Rosemary. And then I heard that same voice that said, your baby will come through your birth canal. I heard that same voice say, your baby is coming today. And I, oh, I just woke up so excited. I woke up so excited and it's 7 a.m. when I wake up, which was way early for me at that time. And it was the last warm weekend of the fall time. It was like 75 degrees outside and the colors on the trees were just absolutely beautiful. I labored outside all morning with my son next to me, just drinking tea and just moving my body. And it was beautiful. It was the coolest, coolest experience. And around one o'clock, that's when my husband came home from work. We ate lunch. That's when I started to not be able to sit still. And everything that you read online about a baby sitting in transverse position says that your labor is going to be irregular. So that was another thing that I held on to. I kept thinking that my labor was like irregular. Oh, like I don't think she's coming anytime soon. It's not really rhythmic. Like it's not coming pretty consistently. And um, yeah, that was just, (laughs) that was something that we both held on to. And around five o'clock, things were getting pretty intense. I realized that I needed to ground myself because I was starting to really let the pain like take hold. And so my husband left with my son um, and gave me some time to chill. And 
I really, really anchored into my breath in that, in that time that I had to myself. So before my husband left, I'm like audibly moaning and like loud and he comes back and I'm just like sitting breathing and like really quiet. And he's like, see, like you're not even having contractions anymore. And I was like, I just had the biggest one. And I'm, (laughs) and I'm just like sitting there like, like on my little meditation pillow, just, it was, it was just the coolest. It was the coolest thing to experience. She, before she came, I had like this deep urge to go into my bedroom, turn out all the lights, close the door. I did not want anybody to bother me because it's my husband and my son home. And my son was two at the time and was needing lots of reassurance and like lots of entertainment from my husband. So I went into the room, closed the door, turned off all the lights. and. It was starting to get really, really intense. And my husband walks in and all of a sudden, like, I sit up and I felt like this ginormous sensation. And it did not feel normal, this sensation. I looked at him and I'm like, something's happening. And then all of a sudden, my waters burst. And what was happening is she was turning into position, just like I always heard she would. Within seconds, she's crowning. Like she's like she's just coming out full force. My body's relaxed. I'm just letting it happen. I had to lean forward so that I could like try and like ease myself a little bit because she was just coming full force. And <laughs> it was just it was wild. She was coming so fast. And all of a sudden I was just I was leaning forward and I'm like, I got to get, I got to get her out. Like, I just want to be done with this. I sat up and then she just slid out and I pick her up. She was breached too, which is something that's taboo as well. She was breached. Yeah. Uh, She's breached as heck. (laughs) And I look down and it's, it's the girl that we've been dreaming of. And we even double checked too, because we were like, is she really, is it really Rosemary? Like, it's really her. So excited. And my, my son watched me give birth and, and he watched his sister be born. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. It was, it was just magical. I sat there and I like the look of shock on my face. I was just like, I did it. I did it. I did it. And I didn't hemorrhage. <laughs> Thanks, midwives. I did not hemorrhage, even though I'm a redhead. <laughs> so I, I am curious if she was bum first or feet first. Uh, her bum. Yeah. I reached in and I could just feel her a little crack. <laughs> it was so, yeah. I'll never forget what that felt like, too. Just like reaching in and feeling her. And it wasn't ahead. And it was, yeah, she was bum first. So not only was she transverse, but she came butt first and she was perfectly healthy. (laughs) And yeah, just a sweet little, sweet little Rosemary. So she, I I think in a lot of ways, she needed me to give birth that way. Because in order, she's a very free spirited little girl. She does not like anything to be tying her down. She doesn't like rules and regulations. She's just like her mom. (laughs) 
So I think in a lot of ways, like she needed me to give birth that way. And I love her for that so much. I don't think. Can you, can you talk about mothering her? Because I think a lot of women, yeah, I want to hear this. She is very healing to my inner child. Little Abby was always told that she was too much, too loud, too emotional, too this, too that. And in order to be the kind of mom that Rosemary needs me to be, I have to be just so deeply in love with her that I let her be herself. And she's so cool. She's so spunky. She's three years old now. And she is just, oh, she's everything to me. Like, so I have two sons now. And just having a daughter is... It's a special thing for me. She just teaches me a lot of patience. <laughs> a lot how of patience. how are how are boundaries with a spirit like that? She pushes them a lot. She does not want to listen. And I'm in a lot of ways I'm still learning how to set boundaries with her. It's easy with her older brother. He's like my sweet sweet golden retriever child. He's a Leo. He's just sunshine. He loves to do anything to help me out. He's just, he's always trying to help us out. Rosemary, you tell her to clean up her toys at the end of the night. She's like, no, <laughs> me hate doing that. <laughs> she's so, she's got so much spirit to her. So I, I've, I've learned that if I want her to, if I want her to clean her toys at the end of the night, I have to play a very specific cleanup song. It's by Snoop Dogg. <laughs> it's really good. And that's how she cleans. So it's just about like working with her and not telling her that she's too much. So, she's so loud, that little girl. And so was I. She really sets it off sometimes. Like sometimes I just got to be like, Rosemary, can you turn it down a few notches? But I try to do so gently. Because I know how bad it hurt me when I was a little girl to be told that I was too loud. That was the biggest thing I was always told when I was younger. By, by kids in class, just like anybody who said it, who wanted to say it to me would say it to me. And it was hurtful. So I try not to squander anything in her. Like, I don't want anything about Rosemary to change. She is bright and spirited and she's lovely and very, very healing for me. And I try every day to be the best mom that I can for her. I don't always do the best job, <laughs> but yeah, it's very, very healing for me. She's, Thank you for that. Yeah. She's just a cool little girl. <laughs> very, very different than her two brothers who are both very, very just grounded. Both of them. Not that Rosemary's not grounded. She has, no, she's, she's got lots of waves. <laughs> she goes, up and down. And something that's really, really cool is because I have a lot of waves. I have lots of ups and downs. My husband has learned to be so good with me. And so he is just absolutely amazing with our daughter. Seeing the bond between the two of them. Oh, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. He's so good with her and so patient with her when she has her many, many requests. And 
yeah, it's just, yeah, it's cool to see. <laughs> it it just makes sense for that, you know, maternal lineage of healing that that mother daughter bond is just unlike anything else. You know, the way we are with our mom, and when we were a child, and so the healing of little Abby with receiving a little Abby, you know, but she's but she's her own person too. Yes. She's a little rosemary. She even looks like me too, as when I was obviously she's my daughter, but more than more than either of my sons look like me. She looks like little Abby. She's even got a little red to her hair. And I just love that. <laughs> I love that about her. Yeah, so you but, really are being the parent that you needed when you were small. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And just letting her be herself. I mean, that's just a huge thing with raising anybody. I have to do that with Owsley, too, even though he's really generally just um, low maintenance. But, I mean, mothering just asks us to cultivate a lot of patience and a lot of understanding. And if we want the spark in our child children to to stay, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of that. It takes a lot of patience and understanding. And I'm happy to give that to them. That's my job. That was like when when I said when I was 18 and I read that book that talked about what it takes to raise a child and have them be energetically whole, like that's what it was talking about. And I I gladly give them that. So it's it's a fun journey. <laughs> when when Owsley was three and Rosemary was one. That was when I became pregnant with Josie. That's my son. And um, that was a particularly hard time because the age gap between them, like Rosemary was starting to get into all of Owsley's stuff and he was having a hard time with that. So I was struggling in motherhood, really struggling because they were fighting a lot and I did not know how to handle it. And on a particularly hard day, I was driving in the car and I was crying. And it it was just, I found myself talking to Josie. <laughs> and because I would talk to him. Like we were just friends. Like I would just start talking to him. And every time that I would talk to him, he would say, relax. Sometimes that's all he would say to me. Sometimes that's just how he would close out our conversations, but he would just say, relax. And so I'm, I'm talking to Josie because in my head, I'm like, who knows his brother and sister better than he does. And I'm talking about the hardships that I'm, I'm facing. And then I just get this big, big feeling that Josie will be a puzzle piece in our family. And he will really mellow out the dynamic between Owsley and Rosemary. Because if we're talking about their signs, like Owsley's a fire sign, Rosemary is a water sign. So they kind of, it's, it's easy for them to butt heads. Josie's a Capricorn, so he's grounding. And we, I love that about him. I got that big feeling that he was going to be a, a puzzle piece. And as soon as I felt that feeling, I was like, no, you're not coming. Like, you can't come right now. I'm not ready. I can't even handle the two kids that I have right now. I was not. 
Wait, so you would talk to him with when you were not pregnant yet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. But funny enough, I was already pregnant with him when I was talking to him in the car. <laughs> um I was already yeah, I was already pregnant with him. Cause I I initially when I felt that feeling, I was like, you can't come right now. Like, I'm not ready. I don't feel ready. You can't come right now. And I felt really strongly about that. But I laid in bed that night and I opened my eyes and I saw this little boy's face, this golden face looking back at me. And it was right then that I knew that I was pregnant. And I was and I just said yes. <laughs> like I had a lot of I had a lot of apprehension about being pregnant so soon because I already had two little ones. I didn't know how I was gonna make it work. But Josie let me know that like everything was gonna be okay. Everything was gonna be okay. And so first trimester with him was hard. Um I was nauseous all the time. And our landlord decided to tell us that we had 45 days to find a new house. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was wild. But the place that we were living at, it just wasn't working out for us. We wanted land and we were living in the suburbs. It just wasn't, it wasn't it. We weren't able to be our best selves in this house that we were living in. And so I feel like it was just a part of Josie's mission to uproot us in an uncomfortable way and get us to settle in a space that we're really, really happy in. So, we, yeah, we found out that we were getting kicked out. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, Mom, you're stressed. Things aren't working. So I'll find something better for you. Right. <laughs> ah, so, yeah, found a house after a few months of looking. It's, it's our, it's just a perfect house for us. It's our style. It's got acreage. Like it's, it's everything, everything that we wanted. And I love, I love that we live there now, but at the time it was really, really hard. This pregnancy was like a stark contrast from my pregnancy with Rosemary. This pregnancy was dark. Josie was born in the middle of winter and I just feel like winter's a dark time. I was getting the message i kept hearing in my head during this pregnancy a certain death like a most certain death was going to take place when i gave birth to him and it was not going to be a comfortable birth it wasn't going to be a comfortable experience like rosemary's was dreamy and ethereal no josie was coming to help me get rid of pieces of myself that just like can't live anymore and so i was scared <laughs> i was like I was ready. I was ready, but I was also kind of like, what am I getting myself into? And I think just because of all the stress that that pregnancy brought brought me, like it was harder on my body too. I feel because my mind was just really, really stressed, trying to find a space to live, and just it, it was just hard. And yeah, I, I knew that it was going to be a walk through the flames, but I also knew that. His pregnancy and birth were going to be really intense, but I knew that as soon as he came Earthside, he was going to be a really, really relaxed and chill little baby, which is what he is. 
just a little beam of sunshine. <laughs> so yeah, Josie was born um middle of January. I was I think 40 weeks and um I woke up at two in the morning to my waters breaking. And um I, I thought that I would have time. I my husband got me a towel and I was like, I'm just gonna try and go back to sleep. And it became really evident really quickly that I was not gonna be able to sleep. I was like, I gotta get up. Like I, I need to move. I need to move. So I got up, I go to the couch and I'm I'm just in it. I was I'm not a huge fan of timing contractions or anything. I've never done that before. But I was really curious. I was like, this is close. Like, these are close back to back. I'm really curious. And from what I recorded on my phone, like, they were coming really quickly. My husband got out of bed and I was like, can you make me some bone broth and like a muffin with with something on it? And he came, he came out to give it to me and I was like, disgusted like i i was to the point that i could not eat and i was like this is weird my previous labors had been owsley was 15 hours rosemary was about the same like 12 hours i was like this is happening very quickly i was in disbelief like i knew it was going to be walk through the fire but i didn't know it was going to be like a freight train like trying to move through me <laughs> so so I couldn't eat. Things are happening really quick. I stand up and I feel something coming out of me. And it's like a balloon. But my waters had already broken. So I was like, what could this be? What could this possibly be? Then I started like having, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom, which is a sure sign that your baby is coming. Yeah, Jesse set up a, a cute little spread of blankets. It's like early in the morning. It's dark in the house. We have one light on. It's just us awake. Like my kids somehow magically slept through me giving birth. Uh, We just have our two dogs with us. And I am feeling this thing come out of me. And I had like fear. I was like, what is this? A A little tidbit. Josie was also sitting like not fully transverse, but he was like diagonal in my belly. And so I was, I was having fear. I'm like, what's coming out of me? Is this like a leg? Is this something random coming out of me? And I, I really had to open up in a way that's not always easy for me. And I had to like tell Jesse this fear that I was having. I didn't want to worry him. I didn't want to worry him, but I had to let myself be seen and heard and felt. And I told him, I was like, I'm scared of what's happening right now. I don't know what's happening. And in just his very grounded way that he shows up in life, he was just like, it's okay. You're going to be okay. And so after that, I was just get out of the way like this. He's coming. (laughs) He was coming really quick. That that thing that I was feeling was more of my my waters, and, and it was just like a little bubble that needed to pop. And after that, he was like fully coming. It was really really intense, and 
It was a powerful experience. And the message I kept hearing in my head was let go and let God over and over again, which was a little weird to me because at that time, my relationship with God was, oh, it, it just was starting to bud and I wasn't quite sure what it meant to me. So to hear let go and let God when I'm in the middle of giving birth, I was like, damn, <laughs> damn, that's yeah, let go and let God. So I let go and I, <laughs> he, he came out, he was born within four hours, like start to finish. Yeah, he was born at 5.48 a.m. I'm just like yelling into my dark room that I'm in. I have I have one dog is sitting on the couch that I'm kneeling over in front of me. And then my other dog, I have my feet pressed against her down here. I felt like so supported by them. It, it was just a re- <laughs> it was a really cool experience. He was born at 5.48 a.m. And my whole pregnancy, the numbers that I saw were 5.47. So when my husband told me that he was born at 5.48, I was like, amazing. Because to me, that's like, that signifies the end of a cycle. Start of like the beginning of something new. And... He was born on MLK Day, so normally our road is a cut through for a lot of people going to work in the morning. It was a quiet road that morning. No one was going to work. I was up six in the morning, just like laying on the couch with my newborn baby. The sun started rising, coming through the windows, and it was just, it was just birth. It was so simple. And then Jesse makes breakfast for us. Our kids wake up. That's just what it was. It was so simple. It was mind blowing. I after having Josie is just yeah, I just I just saw how simple birth was. It doesn't have to be this big thing. It was really really simple. And it was uh, like just the feeling of having him on my chest and the smell, (laughs) like the smell of birth and just like having him on my chest and waking, like our kids waking up and seeing him and they're so excited. It was just, yeah, it was just solidified everything that I had already known about birth. Like birth is simple and it belongs to the family. It's not supposed to be this big medical event. Yeah, I want to ask you about the certain death. Mm-hmm. <sighs> a certain death. That was a weird thing to hear when I'm about to give birth. But I come, <laughs> I come from a childhood and a early uh, teen years filled with like a lot of trauma. I chose to be around people who really hurt me when I was younger. And I have a lot of weight that I've carried with me since then. And it became so evident that I could not live that way anymore. And that is what the certain death was pertaining to. A certain death of this little girl who's frightened and afraid of love. 
because so much of my wounding happened in relationship with people before my husband and my body remembers everything and it has really really affected how I show up in relationship with my husband and like my postpartum with Josie he just turned a year and it has really been me untangling this web of trauma and just deciding to not carry it with me anymore um which is <laughs> such a blessing it's such a blessing for our family i think that Josie's message was like he did not want to come into a family where his mother was letting cycles of trauma like keep her heart closed off and cold um and it's like a tender thing to talk about but um yeah it, he's brought a lot of healing for our family and since he's been here like my my two oldest children just get along swimmingly <laughs> just like i thought like just like i heard he was going to be a little pe- puzzle piece they it, it, he's healing on many 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 levels he is he's just josie i don't know how else to describe him he's just a really cool little guy <laughs> but it it just yeah thank you for painting all of that picture our yeah. you know our baby souls come with very big agendas and it's so evident with your stories yeah he wanted to like uproot me entirely he's like mom this is not working out you gotta open up that heart and you gotta get you gotta get on some land you gotta get some acreage on your feet and you gotta just chill out (laughs) he's like i've just been really tending to my nervous system since he has been here because that's ultimately what I'm dealing with. Just my nervous system has never really been able to relax. Even though I'm in a safe home in a safe environment now, my nervous system just wants to remember all of the times that I was not safe. And so it's just been a really like delicate path with me letting my husband see me fully and yeah, like letting it was a really important birth let him fully see me and fully just hold me and understand me as I was giving birth. It was really significant. That's so (laughs) beautiful. mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the, the contrast between the two, my, like my, my birth with Rosemary and my birth with Josie, so different, but both so just Oh, like so, so good. It, it's amazing how every baby, every birth is just so different. I love that. I love that about them. Yeah. Could you actually like in a sentence or two encapsulate what each birth, how it rebirthed you? Yes. Owsley, he taught me how to be strong and to step into my role as mother. I had to put my foot down. And do things very differently than any other mother around me. That was huge. I'm the first mother in my family to mother the way that I do. And I got a lot of flack for it when I was a first-time mom. A lot. 
more than I ever should have. People <laughs> really, um, people really love to tell you their opinion when you're raising a child. And um, I stood my ground and I stood my ground and my children, I feel are different than any other children I've been around because, because of the way that I'm doing things. So Owsley showed me my strength. Rosemary, uh, she just like, she taught, she taught me how to just be wild, unhinged, do whatever you want, follow your intuition. That's Rosemary. She just marches to the beat of her own drum. And that's how I was when I was little. That's how I was. And over time, it got put out. And she teaches me to be more, more of myself. And I love that about her. And Josie just, he just wanted my heart to be melted. Like he doesn't want my heart to be cold and to be afraid of love. And something really, really cool is, so my husband's name is Jesse Eric Tracy. And so we named Josie, Josie Eric Tracy. And they're both earth signs. It just felt in a big way that Josie is very connected to Jesse's soul. Like he, that's just how it feels for me. And I feel like he came to help me really anchor into the fact that I am indeed safe in love. And that's liberating. Um, yeah, it's liberating. The love I have for those three children, uh, it's unmatched. I, I have no words. <laughs> I, I feel it. I feel it. Like I am so touched by everything. I feel it. Like I have tears in my eyes the whole time. Oh, Abby. Um, <laughs> another question I have is, um, is there anything else that you want to touch on with, with mothering, with breastfeeding, with sleeping, with anything? I think just stay as connected as possible. I think we live in a world where everybody expects your tiny baby to come out of you and just be independent right away. Everyone's like, put that baby in a different bed. Don't breastfeed that baby. Like, just give it formula. And, and you know, that's its own story in, in and of itself. But it's like the more connected we are with our children, the more they thrive. Their nervous systems thrive. Like, their, their, their whole being thrives. The more we're raising fully healthy individuals who will grow into adults who don't have a laundry list of issues that they have to work through. I just, my biggest, my biggest thing in motherhood is just keeping connection. So that's through co-sleeping. That's through breastfeeding. It's keeping that, that connection and keeping that spark with them. I just feel the more connection that children have to their mother and the close the closeness to their mother. I just feel like the more content they are, they have more I don't everybody always views it as like, oh, like you don't want them to be too attached to you, like in in a way in a way that's really skewed. I just I want them to be connected to me all the time. I, it doesn't matter 
It doesn't matter if it's like inconvenient for me. It doesn't matter if I have to, you know, devote a lot of time to my children. Like I'm, that's what I decided to have children for. I decided to have kids because I want to be with them wholeheartedly. That was exactly what I was going to say. Is <laughs> yeah. Why is, are, why are people choosing to have children to only have them enter the world to then try to sever the connection? Mm-hmm. Sever the connection through sleeping across the house from each other. Sever the mm-hmm. connection by yeah. not allowing to feed from the breast. Sever yeah. the connection by handing them off to a babysitter when you're four weeks postpartum to have a date night. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, I feel like it's breeding a society of really sick people, whether it's physically ill, uh, mentally ill. I think it all comes down to connection to the mother. That's it. Like, that is it. Happy human beings. (laughs) I feel like happy human beings come when they are just doted on when they're little babies. So that's just my mission. Like, I will dote on these children and I will give them everything that they want and need. I will try my best to fulfill them in all ways and I will reap the rewards of that. I, I see it every day. I see, like, I see their calmness. I see their ability to sort through big emotions. I see their ability to, to just show up in a way that is not really considered normal. I think it's I think it's really magical to see how they are developing through the attachment that they have to both their mom and their father and it's just I knew when I got pregnant at 21 like I knew what I wanted to do and I stuck with it no matter how many people said xyz to me because I knew in my heart what was right and I'm reaping the rewards of that in a big, big way. So it's the most important thing to me. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting when a woman, you know, really decides to own herself and trust herself, how there's so many outside voices mm-hmm. <laughs> taking, yeah. t- trying to take you down. Like, yeah. and, these, and these people often are the ones that say they love you. And, and, and it's like, I don't even think we know what love is because love doesn't do that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a huge part of my mothering is just trying to figure out what love really is and like what love really means. And I don't, I don't want to like, yeah, I don't feel like a lot of people know what love is. I don't feel that love is knocking someone down. I feel like it's building people up. I feel the more that people start to understand that I think the more society can heal so that's just what I'm doing as a mom like I'm trying to raise people who are gonna build to society I don't want to raise people who are just another cog in the machine like I'm trying to raise free thinkers and yeah just children who who know what they want and can tell people like hey I like that no I don't like that I don't want to raise children who are just people pleasers and, you know, just going through the motions. I want them to live. I want them to live vibrantly. And 
I, you know, it's just so important. <laughs> it's so important. It is. It is. I, I feel like a lot of us have this skewed perspective of love, you know, because our parents were traumatized and wounded and, and parented us from those places. Yeah. And then it's it's the parents of today, like you. You know, not everyone's doing it, but a lot of women are stepping up and saying, I am going to break this cycle. My kids yeah. are going to know love, actual yes. love. Yeah. And a big piece of this love conversation, I feel like in our normal society, it's like babies have to fit into these convenient parts of our day instead yeah. of love. Yeah. Love is showing up for people and for babies when it's not convenient for you. Mm. Yeah. In middle of the night. Yes. Tantrum tantruming <laughs> in a grocery store. Yes. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people today just want babies to be convenient. So they sleep train them and put, try to put them in a box. And like, it's it's wild. But then it's also really interesting because I feel like those are the same people who don't really like being parents. And people, the same people who complain and they're like, yikes, my kid has this, you know, this problem. My kid has this problem. And it's like, I wonder if that connection to mother hadn't been severed, if they would still have that, like if they would still be having these issues. I I think about that all the time. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, I just feel like society is full of children and adults who were separated from their mother. And that's the most nourishing thing in the world. And so I feel like we're really seeing the effects of that. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything else on your heart that you want to share? Any soapbox you want to stand on? <laughs> mm, I don't think so. Just, or you feel good? Yeah, I feel good. I do. <laughs> I love talking about all of this stuff. I love talking about being a mom. It's not always it's not always easy to find people who who you can talk to about this kind of stuff. So it's always so fun for me when I when I get to rant about about this kind of stuff. Something I will say is being the first woman in my family to mother the way that I that I do. So I have an older sister who um has been watching me mother this way the past 5 years. And the coolest thing is being able to see how she has learned and how she's mothering because of the things that I've, that I like, you know, set the stage for. So she's raising her son in a really, really connected way. And she's an oh, amazing mother. I'm so proud of her. And um, it's, it's heartwarming because I feel like we're, we're, we are starting a generation in our family who's going to raise their children in a really connected way. And then those children will raise their children in a really connected way. And it's just, yeah, it makes me feel, makes my heart feel really happy and content. Yeah, a big piece of what you're talking about that we haven't used is respect for children. <laughs> yes. That's everything yeah. you've been saying. And that's, 
and we haven't put words to it, but that's literally what it is, Abby. It's that you respect your children so much and their spirit and why they're here. Yeah. 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 Like, why is it that society kind of just like fuels itself off of disrespect? <laughs> disrespect of just everybody, but specifically children. Yeah. Why is that? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> I know what's going on there. I mean, Ooh, you know. I could guess. I could guess. This is like my favorite conversation because I am the defender of children. That's what I am. <laughs> and I would guess that money or uh, society prioritizes money. 100%. Money. Yes. And, you know, um, trophies and all these accolades. and children don't give you that (laughs) yeah no they come here and they break your spirit open and they say hey i want you to be a better human Mm -hmm. like are you going to value that instead of money yeah people i don't i think people don't really have interest in being better humans because that because that's a hard road to go down and i feel like a lot of people are just more content with their their TV and their <laughs> and their junk food and their and their you know pleasures in life than actually doing the work because it's not a hard it's not an easy thing to mother wholeheartedly like it's the road less traveled indeed because it's really hard <laughs> it takes all of me it takes all of me and it takes a lot of introspection and it takes a lot of practice and devotion. And it takes a lot of facing things head on. I can't let things go with my children. I can't push things to the side because they deserve more than that. And like they deserve to be nourished in that way. You can't just you can't just push things to the side with kids and you can't just hope that things get better. Like it really re- it requires you to just be hands-on and hand like just you're molding you're molding these children. I mean, yeah, you can push things to the side, but that is going to create a beast of a situation and there are natural consequences to yes. not facing your shit head on. So choose yeah. your hard. <laughs> right. <laughs>